This podcast is brought to you by Always, Secret, Venus, and Walmart. Welcome to the Hungry Hearts Podcast, a place for all of us to come and feed our souls. Hey, y'all. Welcome to our first episode of Hungry Hearts. I'm your host, Amina Brown, and I'm so excited to be here with you. The title of this podcast is Hungry Hearts because a hungry heart is something we all share. We're hungry for knowledge. We're hungry for authenticity. We're hungry for human connection. This past fall, Together Live set out on a 10-city tour and poured our hearts out on stages all across the country. And I was so excited to be a part of that. Every night we gathered on stage in what looked like a really cool living room and talked about equality, worthiness, self-doubt, pain, the healing power of love, and so much more. We're bringing some of our favorite conversations from tours straight to you in hopes that it will feed your hungry hearts too. My living room is one of my favorite places to gather with my friends. We take our shoes off, we sit on the sofa or in an armchair, and we get real about whatever is going on in our lives. I hope this podcast feels like a living room to you too, a place you can listen in and be understood as well. Today, we're hearing from WNBA superstar, Sue Bird. And just so you know how much of a badass Sue is, check her accolades. She's won four Olympic gold medals, four world championship gold medals, two NCAA championships, and three WNBA championships. Sue, you did that. She sat down with Together Live's co-founder, Jennifer Rudolph Walsh, to talk about how to accept and defy the limitations of age in the sports industry, the power of perspective, and the difference it made for herself and others when she decided to come out publicly. Where were you 25 years ago? Um, what was happening? Quick math. Um, I was in high school in New York, and so I was like 14, 15, and well, I actually... You were actually, already like a... No humble. Was I playing humble. basketball? Were you already yes. a star? Like, this is the thing. I, I like, you know, uh, I said to Sue, sad? do you get insecure too? Like, because we were talking about insecurity. I'm like, when you're the greatest, you get insecure too? So tell me yes. about, yes. <laughs> yes. Lots of that. Um, yeah, so I was in high school. I was playing basketball. And actually, um, my parents had split up. And I transferred high schools like simultaneously, like which one came first, it's a little confusing, but I'll openly admit the change in high school was a basketball decision. I was basically transferring from a high school on Long Island to one in Queens, and they were like very good at basketball. Um, So where I was was interesting because my parents were splitting, my dad got an apartment in Queens, and he was kind of like, building a new life in another state. So he would be with me one week and then my mom would be with me the other week, but she was kind of dealing with like, you know, fresh divorce stuff. So sometimes I would just be chilling in Queens by myself. And that's where I was at 15, but it taught me a lot. I'll admit that. I love it. I love it. So that was a box of darkness that actually ended yeah, up to be a really my good thing, right? <laughs> no, it's great. How did having an outsized strength, how did that either shield you from sort of the normal adolescent issues or how did it, how did it cause, cause those issues? I mean, how would you put that? Yeah. Um, 
probably more shield than cause. I think um, I was really lucky, I was saying this earlier, to have figured out so early in my life like what I was passionate about and what I wanted to like throw myself into. Simultaneously, um, I'm a, it's a team sport. So I instantly have like all kinds of support, all kinds of you know friends, teammates that turn into friends. So I had like all these homies to hang out with and it kind of helped shield from what was going on in my personal life. And was your your burgeoning sexuality an issue for you at that point? Like, or? What year was this? Um, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't, it wasn't. No, no, not, no. no. I, just, I mean, it probably always was. I've definitely always been gay, but it, it's simultaneously like, you know, I was also straight for a period of time. And in high school, I was probably like 90/10 straight, even though in reality I was 90/10 gay, and just didn't really have anyone to like act on it with. I was in Queens. I wasn't doing it in Queens. It would have been too risky. <laughs> Catholic school to boot. Okay, so was that more of a college thing for you, finding yeah. yourself in that yeah, way? Yeah, yeah, Finding myself in that way was definitely a college thing. Um, being comfortable with it wasn't until after college. Like, even though I technically only came out publicly, which is also something that's, like, kind of weird as, as any kind of public figure, Apparently, I learned, you only really come out if you say it, like, in the newspaper. Two years ago, I wrote this article saying I came out. So reporters would ask, like, oh, now that you've come out, like, oh, what, when you went back in the locker room, what'd your teammates think? I was like, what? Like, <laughs> and, like they've known for, whatever, you know, like, forever. It really was a non-issue, but in all seriousness, actually saying it publicly, it was, it did, like, release a little bit, you know? I didn't have to, like, constantly come out, to your point, People just knew, which was nice. But saying it publicly for me was, was like a huge, oof, don't have to you know, worry about that anymore. And simultaneously, I know it was big for other people as well. I mean, the messages that I get, whether you know, on social media or in person, just about me living my life normally, I guess, can give them so much inspiration. Or like, there weren't any cool gay people. Where were they? <laughs> but like, it's true, like gay couples were always the weird ones. And I feel like here I have this amazing opportunity to be like, no, you can be gay and be a cool couple. Like how great. Uh, imagine that. <laughs> in the real world, 38 or 39 is extremely young. But in the athletic world, the whole aging thing has a very different timetable. So how have you gotten your arms around like aging gracefully given the situation that you you're find yourself in professionally? Yeah, um, like I said, it, there were some tough moments with it because it was like this narrative that was being like shoved in my face. Like I said, when I turned 30, that's when the question started. So for probably like, you know, four or five years of that, when I had moments where things weren't going my way or I didn't feel super healthy physically, it was like, oh, no, they say nobody beats father time. Like maybe this is just it for me. And, and once I gave up that thought process, I was like, man, I'm fucking 38 and I'm killing these 22-year-olds. Like, what? You know? So there was something very powerful in that. When I walk on the court, I've, some of these you know, other players are being like, oh, I had your jersey when I was 10. And I'm like, yeah. And I just ran circles around it. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't say that. No, but, but I'm thinking it. I think it's a... I think it's amazing how powerful that voice in your head is because nothing changed but your perspective. Once you just took that back, 
it suddenly gave you all this power. Yeah, well, I started to own it. That was one part of it. I just started to be like a lot nicer to myself about it. If something did hurt, I didn't take myself to the death of my career. You know, I'd be like, hey, it's okay. You'll probably feel better tomorrow. Or it's just actually just a shift in general that I had in my basketball world, which was like, if I made a mistake, I just stopped beating myself up. I just was like, you can also be kind to yourself sometimes. Mistakes happen. And the only way you're going to get over it is if, you know, you forgive yourself. I was really lucky to actually have a coach. Her name's Jenny. And she's the one that really planted the seed. She uses the word grace, like show yourself some grace. And that was like a big shift for me, just to be nice to yourself. I love that. That's, that's the biggest shift of my whole life, honestly, is just to be nice to yourself. I used to think that beating myself up was like my secret to success. And one day I thought I forgot one of my closest friend's birthdays. And I literally started to have almost a panic attack. And all of a sudden I realized that her birthday was actually the next day. But my relief was not for my friend Jordan. It was that I didn't have to spend my whole entire day beating myself up like I was a horrible like person. And in that moment, I realized, wow, like I was relieved that I wasn't going to be beating myself up all day. And it hit me that it's, it's a kind of narcissism. It's still all about you. And once I realized that negative self-talk is all about you, I was spontaneously cured. <laughs> so I was like... That's the worst and so boring. So as you approach the new decade, like what's the big dream for yourself? Um, well, this is an Olympic year. So, well, we're approaching an Olympic year. Um, yeah, so I'll be 39 and it'll be my fifth, oh. which, you know. <laughs> So there's like three things in terms of basketball that I want to accomplish. So I would love to repeat. I've never done that in my career of like all the things I've won, I've actually never won back to back. WNBA, I've never done it. College, I never did it. So that's kind of big on my list. The Olympics would obviously be amazing. And then the third one is actually Key Arena has been closed and it's being like totally redone and it's not open until 2021. I would love to play in that building. But that's kind of far. <laughs> so that's what's going to enter the new decade. And then, I mean, I'd probably call it quits after that. And well, <laughs> TBD on the rest. You've got all of these people cheering their heads off for you. Thank I you, have no you. doubt every single one of those things are going to happen. Jennifer asked Sue such a powerful question. What's your big dream for yourself? Think about that. One of my big dreams for myself was to become a writer. I actually wanted to be a novelist, a young Toni Morrison or a young Alice Walker. And I did become a writer, but I became a poet instead of a novelist. And then I became a nonfiction author. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll go back and finish one of the novels I started. I think this is a question we should return to often because as we grow, change, and heal, our dreams may change too. But having a big dream for yourself can be such great motivation for why you do what you do and for keeping a good community or team around you, as Sue described, that can help make your dream a reality. I also really appreciated Sue sharing her journey of coming out, how powerful it was for Sue to come out to those who were closest to her and how liberating it was for her when she came out publicly. 
Sue's coming out experience is a great example of how sharing our true authentic selves can be great encouragement to other people to be exactly who they are in the world too. However we choose to share our stories, privately and publicly, in the lessons we learn as we age and grow, as we disentangle ourselves from perfectionist narratives, Sue and Jennifer remind us that it's okay to be kind to ourselves in the process. We're back next week to talk about worthiness with the brilliant Brittany Packnett Cunningham. If you like what you're hearing, we've got plenty more for you. So please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can check us out on all the socials at Together Live Events. And you can be my internet friend at Amina B-E-E. On this episode of Hungry Hearts, you heard from Sue Bird, Jennifer Rudolph Walsh, and me, Amina Brown. Thank you to our podcast sponsors, Always, Secret, Venus, and Walmart. <laughs>